We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated over on Fan Nation. Got a big episode of the podcast today. I am super, super excited doing something new here. I am bringing on uh, Sam Popper. He's the uh, former director of recruiting strategy uh, at Oregon, and uh, he's now made his way out to Akron on uh, Joe Moorhead's staff as the new director of player personnel. And I wanted to bring him on the show to kind of just learn a little about his experience at Oregon and um, just, you know, get to share his perspective. What's going on, Sam? Thanks for being here. Dude, Max, thanks for having me on, dude. I'm excited. Right on, man. Well, I know we've been doing this. We've been uh, kind of, this has been in the works for a little bit. So um, yeah, man, excited to bring you on and kind of share your your story a little bit more with um, with my audience. I know obviously Duck fans love recruiting and um, you know, sure I'm just do. trying to sink, sink my teeth into that a little bit more. And it's been cool getting to know you and kind of get uh, a little bit of a better look at everything. So for, for people who don't know you, Sam, I feel like the recruiting staff doesn't really get a lot of shine that they deserve. You know, they don't get the same shine that the on-field guys do. Um, just, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and kind of how you ultimately ended up at Oregon. Yeah. So, well, first of all, th- thanks for having me on. And like you said, it's kind of been in the worst for a while. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be doing this with you. Um, so my name's Sam Popper. I'm from Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, I got started in recruiting as a student intern at the University of Michigan uh, from 2015 to 2019. Um, I was there as a student intern in recruiting. And then after that, I was the director of recruiting at Howard University um, and ended up there for one season. And then after that, that was when I kind of got to Oregon. So I got to Oregon pretty much right as the pandemic was starting, like right at the end of March of 2020. And then uh, and then, shoot, I was there until until the end of this past season. So what was that like for you, man? I mean, making a, a big shift like that, moving all the way to Eugene during a pandemic, no less. I mean, that, that's a pretty big move for you. Just kind of walk us through that transition. Yeah, well, this was wild. So, um, you know, we had had a coaching change at, at Howard University and, and I wasn't kept on with the new staff. So, you know, I was looking for a new position. I was kind of talking to some different schools. And uh, when I ended up getting my interview out to Oregon, it's kind of a funny story. Like, you know, my mom was telling me that, you know, I needed to bring all this hand sanitizer when I was going out to Eugene with me because there was some disease out there, which I had never heard of, you know, and I, you know, my mom, she worries a lot. I love her. She worries a lot. So I was like, all right, mom, it's all good. So I brought the hand sanitizer over there. And, uh, you know, so when I got there, I interviewed on uh, the beginning of March and that was actually where Oregon's pro day was going to be like the next day. And it was their fourth spring practice of 2020. And that ended up being their last spring practice that they did. And the day that I ended up getting the job on, on the interview. And so when I flew back, I was, you know, I was pretty excited thinking, all right, I'm going to move cross country to Oregon here, obviously with no clue kind of how I was going to make that move, expecting to fly and everything like that. And then, you know, my, my flight went from Eugene to Salt Lake city, you know, back to, to Dulles in Maryland. And when I landed in Dulles, like that was the day that like COVID went from nothing to something. So like that was the day, you know, Rudy Gobert was touching all the microphones and, you know, and then like Mark Cuban had that like, you know, video where he was like looking at his phone, talking about how the NBA was canceled. He was like shell shocked, like shows the guy next to him. And it was pretty much all that day. So that day I kind of had to figure out like how the heck I was, I was going to get out there. And, you know, it was when 
shoot, I could have done a cross country flight for about 15 bucks, but nobody knew what COVID was. So it was like super unsafe. So I ended up kind of just packing everything in the car and, you know, drove and stopped at some different places. And I had some friends call me on the way and say, sorry, like, I can't have you stay here just because I don't know if you're going to get the disease and everything like that, which obviously I understood. But yeah, dude, it was a wild, wild adventure. Um, but then I got there and dude, like, you know, obviously being someone from the East Coast, I'd never been out to the, you know, Pacific Northwest in my life. And dude, Eugene was just the perfect place to be during like a pandemic as the world was so uncertain, everything. So there's so much to do outside. And I was getting there just in the beginning of summer. It's just absolutely beautiful in Eugene. So uh, it was an adventure. But at the end of it, like I was really, really happy when I got there. Yeah, Eugene's definitely the place to be. I I've lived here for almost two years. So uh, I can definitely echo everything that you're saying. Uh, really crazy hearing about, you know, just packing up your bag and, and you know, hitting the road out, out to Eugene. I, I feel like that's kind of the, the sudden nature of coaching. That's kind of the way things work. I remember, you know, once you got the Akron job, you hit me up. You're like, Max, I'm on the road on the way to Ohio, man. Yeah. Like, I'm going out to Akron. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. So, Happens yeah, it's, quick. Happens it, quick. it really does. It really does. So, Sam, when, when you were during your time at Oregon, a little bit, uh, you know, prior to your arrival, but, you know, but I feel like your time at Oregon is really, you know, obviously the Mario Cristobal era, you know, part of that era. And, you know, that was a huge, huge shift in, in Oregon recruiting from from what we've seen, you know, prior to that. You know, I'm sure you did all your research before you came out to Oregon. So, you know, about how Willie Taggart, I feel like really kicked it into high gear and then Mario just took it, you know, a, a massive step further. So when, when you were here at Oregon, what, what kind of a, a can you kind of just explain the the shift that we saw in Oregon recruiting, you know, just from from them taking this thing to a whole new level that I feel like people really hadn't seen before? Yeah, so I will really say on the recruiting front, it's, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of what you see from the outside, especially now kind of with my experience from the inside, it's so hard to determine like truly how a staff recruited kind of from the outside. So I'm not really entirely sure kind of how things happened before Coach Cristobal got there and everything. But in terms of when he was there and in terms of kind of my time with him on the staff, you know, I think, to be honest, one of the things that, that he emphasized and that I really learned from him, you know, more than anything else was, was just effort and how to outwork, you know, other programs. And I think if there was one thing that as a staff we could really hang our hats on in recruiting, it was that, you know, we, we, were, we were really out there to outwork teams and we really dedicated ourselves, our time and our staff to recruiting. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that within a college football team, there is a heck of a lot to manage, especially from a head coach uh, perspective. And, you know, the time that he invested in recruiting, the time that, you know, everyone in the department, including myself, I mean, spent working with him, sometimes even in a one-on-one -on -one capacity, um, it was awesome. And, you know, when the head coach invests so much in recruiting, you know, that has an effect on the position coaches as they don't want to be the only ones to, you know, not be holding their end of the bargain. So then they invest more time in recruiting. And I just thought we, we worked really hard at it. Um, we, I, I thought we had a pretty good, you know, strategy for how we wanted to identify and how we wanted to evaluate. Um, and our head coach just attacked it. And, and to be honest with you, I think that's kind of the biggest differentiator out of, out of kind of all the, all the things we did in recruiting that, that really helped us, helped us get a lot of the prospects that, that we wanted in the boat. You know, Sam, recruiting is far from a perfect science, as, as you know, and I, I know as well. But you, you talk about effort and how that's such a big part of the equation. And you can really understand, you know, at least from from now, like why maybe Dan Lanning wanted to get, uh, you know, a young staff at Oregon, because it, it sounds like, you know, if, if you're really dedicated to it, uh, you know, as you saw, the, the results can really speak for themselves and pay off. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think that, a lot of it's relating to prospects and a lot of it is, you know, being able to communicate well and to recruit. And a lot of it is on the back end, being able to identify, like, what do you want? Like, what is an Oregon duck? You know, how are we going to evaluate this prospect compared to a lot of other prospects in the country? And, you know, that's one thing that I've kind of heard from, from people that are, that are still over there that the coach landing staff is doing a really good job of. And so, I think they'll be able to continue right where we left off with, with recruiting. And, and I think Ducks fans should, should be optimistic about kind of where they're headed in that sense too. Yeah. And, and we talked a little bit before uh, we hit record, you know, I don't want to ask you to give away the secret sauce by any means, but you're giving us some awesome insight into how everything, you know, was when, when you were there. 
Um, I wanted to say what your last point, you said, you know, um, you think that Lanning and his staff are going to be able to kind of pick up where, where Mario left off. Uh, you know, I think it was three top 10 classes were, are still on the roster from, you know, the time that he was here. Um, how do you think someone would, would go about kind of keeping that momentum, um, just from, you know, approaching that recruiting and making it a priority? Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I think that Oregon's a really easy place to do it um, in the sense that a lot of Oregon recruits itself. Um, like it's an awesome program. Um, there's a ton that Oregon has to, to hang its hat on, not only in terms of, you know, tradition and, and the place that Eugene is. I mean, true. I love Eugene. Like I love living there. I think it's an awesome spot, but everything they have in terms of our facilities, in terms of the stadium, in terms of the campus, you know, all, all that recruits itself. But you know, I think for them, it's it's really important that they continue to identify the right guys. And I think that's kind of the important part because it's about kind of recruiting the guys that, you know, you feel are genuinely kind of worth your time in terms of opportunity cost, you know. And there's so many guys that can come in and, and bring Oregon, be- that, that can make Oregon better. There's so many guys that are worth recruiting and, and trying to bring out to Oregon. But, you know. I think they'll do a really good job just based on kind of how they identify and how they evaluate and, you know, determining who are truly the right guys for us to dive in head first and recruit. And that that's kind of a, a big part in the process too, that, you know, I, I think they'll do a great job with. Oregon can sell itself. I, I, I like that. I like that, you know, cause I, I think I I've kind of seen that from the outside when I'm talking to a lot of these prospects that, that Oregon's looking at, I think one guy that would be a perfect example is someone I actually brought on this podcast on my YouTube channel, uh, which this interview will be on my YouTube channel at Oregon football, Max Torres. If you guys want to enjoy some of that multi-platform excellence and, and see me and Sam doing our thing, chopping it up here, but Sir Mel's Sir Mel's is the guy that I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I'm, sure you got, I'm sure <laughs> you got dude. to meet him. Uh, yeah. During, during his time as a, as a recruit. Cause I, I remember when he decommitted from Washington to kind of rewind things a little bit. Um, he he was a guy that I felt really good about Oregon's chances with. You know, they just kind of have to get him on campus, and then you know, lo and behold, the the felt like never ending recruiting dead period ended in June, and you guys and the Ducks got him on campus, and and he uh, and he committed. You know, right there, kind of on the spot during that visit. T- tell me a little bit more about just that that energy that you think that the program just kind of inspires because you have the. The tradition, but I feel like Oregon's tradition is innovation, and we're we're seeing it all the time. Yeah, so so Max, when I was in high school, I remember there was a college football game between Oregon and Maryland, and Oregon obviously being Nike, and you know Maryland obviously being Under Armour. They were both going to pretty much just like flex these awesome jerseys at each other. And it was supposed to be like this game of the jerseys. I couldn't tell you what, what year it was. I graduated high school in 2015. I got there in 2011. So at some point in that range. And that was when Maryland like debuted those like basically taking the state flag and like wrapping themselves in some football pads and like that being their jersey. You know, that was like when they debuted that. And I remember looking at Oregon's jerseys that day. But, yeah, Oregon, those jerseys look awesome. You know, that's so cool. And it's interesting to think like, you know, part of the reason why I've really enjoyed recruiting, you know, as I've kind of gotten into it and, you know, I'm, I won't be able to say this forever, but like, you know, I, I'm not that old, much older than a lot of these other guys, you know, I'm 25 years old, you know? And so I think about me being at that point in high school, like a lot of these recruits at that point were probably in elementary school, middle school. Like they probably remember that stuff just like I did as a kid, you know? And so like, there's an era of Oregon football that was awesome when I was growing up that, you know, these recruits probably experienced as well. And that was kind of a a real sense that I got, you know, recruiting at Oregon that I didn't really have to explain much of kind of what the tradition of the program was because these kids for the most part already knew about it, you know, adding in kind of the Nike side of it. And, you know, they've done a great job incorporating what Nike does, not only from just like a swag platform, obviously, but like from a, you know, career building platform and resume building and job experience and all the stuff you want to add into, you know, NIL and all that good stuff, you know, like they've brought on Nike in a lot of different ways and they really capitalized on kids loving Nike and what Nike is from a like swag platform, which by the way, Kenny Farr does an amazing job of doing all that stuff in EQ. I had to give him a shout out, but like, all this stuff in terms of, of job placement and experience and things that guys can get to help them in the professional world when they're done at Oregon. Um, I thought the school did a great job of capitalizing on that. And I thought from a recruiting staff perspective, 
it was really our job to take those resources and see how we could heighten that awareness with prospects and ways that we could distribute that information to them. Because for the most part, the university and the people within it were really taking care of that as a whole, uh, which is awesome. And I think that, you know, if Oregon was the first place that I had been, I probably would have taken that for granted a little bit, you know, because not every school kind of like has that in the bag prepared and ready to distribute to prospects like Oregon did. And you kind of talked about the energy. I, mean, I just thought that those two aspects were huge as far as like why kids already were so into Oregon, you know, from from kind of really just like the beginning of the recruiting process. Wow. So much good stuff in that answer. I'm trying to kind of <laughs> kind of digest where I want to where I want to go with this next part. But um, I really liked what you talked about, you know, um, the, the history of Oregon. And I feel like everything you just said in that last part of your answer is like part of the reason why Oregon's just a, an immediate contender for, for a lot of guys once they get that offer. Um, you know, I think there's definitely some more like extra work to be done, you know, in the, in the Southeastern part of the country. I've been talking to some guys from Alabama that get that offer and they're saying, I was kind of surprised because a lot of people, you know, out here haven't really gotten that Oregon offer. They haven't gone there in the past, but what you talked about with the Nike connection is, is really well said. And I think that it kind of just puts it into perspective why Oregon is one of really a handful of schools. I'd really say in the upper echelon that are ready to capitalize on this NIL era of college athletics. And it, it extends far beyond just football. So I, I really liked that perspective that, that you, uh, that you added there. Um, you, you mentioned the, the Oregon Maryland game, you know, being, being somebody that's kind of from that neck of the woods, what are your honest takes on the Maryland Terps uniforms that we're seeing these days? <laughs> I think it's a lot. I really do. I think it's a lot. To be honest with you, I think that's kind of one of the cool things about Nike is like they take something that's simple and they just for some, in some way, shape or form, they just inject a lot of swag in it. And I feel like a lot of other, you know, kind of companies sometimes have to like, you know, I'm not trying to talk down on anybody or anything, but you know, I just feel like a lot of other companies, they have to like make things complex to make them look cool or like add different things. Whereas Nike really doesn't. And I feel like that's kind of the cool thing about, um, you know, Oregon's uniform. They just make things really basic and all that. And Hey, I'm a lover of the Maryland state flag. I think it's awesome. I love old day. Like I'm a Maryland dude. Um, I just think it's a lot for a football jersey, you know, that the flag. I think it's a lot for a football jersey. <laughs> right on. Okay, cool. Cool to to get your opinion, you know, being someone who who has a much closer association than than myself, obviously being a West Coast guy. Um, kind of a, a big picture question that isn't so much focused on recruiting, but but rather, you know, the Oregon program as a whole. Um, you talked about how people, you know, they grow up um, you know, like in Oregon, they they watch Oregon. They played as Oregon in NCAA football. Uh, hopefully we can get a new game soon. You know, just quick side note. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I feel like it, as great as all that is, it's time for, for Oregon to take that next step as far as on field. Because we have we saw them beat Ohio State. We've seen them win Rose Bowls. And they made that inaugural playoff. But I think that I, I feel like if I'm an Oregon fan, I want some of these recruits to be saying, oh, yeah, I, I uh, you know, I was watching Ty Thompson just, you know, lead a game winning drive or Troy Franklin make a crazy game winning catch or Noah Sewell just, you know, throwing the quarterback around. Like it's time for Oregon to do something significant enough, I feel like, to, to have recruits, you know, be talking about the here and now much more. Because I feel like when I have those recruiting conversations with these guys, a lot of it kind of seems rooted in the past, which isn't bad. You know, that's not going to hurt Oregon's chances with anybody. But I feel like, you know, especially with Dan Lanny and the way that they've recruited, it's it's time for them to really make that next push. And, and I think that the playoffs, you know, at least making a playoff appearance is, is that next step. No, definitely. I mean, when, when you talk about the here and now, it's, it's interesting because, you know, from our perspective in recruiting, a lot of time we don't really see the fruits of our labor for a couple of years into the future, right? Like, you know, because – you know, you, you get, you know, somebody will pat you on the back for signing a class that's ranked a certain way. But like, obviously, usually those guys don't get on the field for around two and a half years down the road in terms of like the majority of the class, you know, and affecting wins and losses. And, um, you know, when you kind of think about what recruiting at, at Oregon can be to get to that point, I think that's kind of what what we focused on a lot during during my time at Oregon was we, we wanted to recruit, recruit national because we could because we had the staff, because we worked really hard at it, and because we had, you know, a good strategy for 
identifying and evaluating prospects. But, you know, I think that the important part of that is, you know, when you recruit in areas that are normally tough for Oregon to recruit in, making sure you have a real targeted approach so that, you know, you can get the prospects that you want. I think that's that's sometimes a key because you're never going to get to that point unless you physically get yourself there. And it's really hard to sell yourself on something that is in the future when it's not necessarily in the present, you know? So as far as getting to the playoff and, you know, everything like that, I think Oregon has a lot of the talent that can, that can definitely get them there. But, you know, one thing I'd probably say if, if I was still working there was that, you know, it's really important that when you're going to target that's that the Southeast and, and areas that may be a little bit more difficult in recruiting, make sure you have a real targeted approach. Why are we recruiting this guy and what's going to be the thing that pushes us over the edge? Because, you know, you can't act like something that you haven't gotten to yet. And sometimes in that area, you may be recruiting against teams shoot that where coach Lanning was previously that you know, genuinely has college football playoff to, to their resume in the last couple of years. And, you know, just cause you don't have it, that's okay. You know, it's, that's obviously you're going to get there down the road and kids are going to a place because of where they can be in three to four years, but just making sure that you have a targeted approach on, you know, what, it, what is it going to be with us for this guy? And then you dive in head first. And, you know, that's kind of the great thing about Oregon is regardless of all that, once Oregon dives in head first, there's nothing that Oregon can't do. Now that, that was a really awesome part about being there. Yeah, there's, there's nothing that Oregon can't do once they dive in head first. I feel like that's kind of a mantra or mentality that has really carried over between Cristobal and Lanning. Lanning said as much in his introductory press conference, I believe. He was saying, you know, there's no reason we shouldn't be able to to get anybody in the country. And yeah, uh, no I also, at all. Yeah, and, and, I, and I liked what you said about, you know, playoff, you know, history isn't necessarily everything. Because I feel like a lot of these guys, they, they want to get to the NFL. That's a huge part of the equation for so many of them. But when you mentioned recruiting nationally, Sam, I think Oregon finds himself in a unique situation because when you look at some of these schools that are in the upper tiers of the sport, you know, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Ohio States, those guys to a large extent have a lot of really elite talent in their backyard and Oregon isn't in that situation. I feel like Washington and Seattle and the Pacific Northwest specifically like that they've really been upping, uh, you know, their you know production of high level college football players. Oregon, you know, I can't forget about them. You know, they have they have some pretty good players every now and then, but not really consistently at that level that you really need to be competitive, which is why I feel like they set up shop in California. But that was a really long-winded way of saying that um, Oregon needs to recruit nationally, and it feels like they're capitalizing on that. I know that one thing we talked about um, when, when you were still at Oregon was a couple guys, specifically Kelvin Banks and TJ Dudley, you know, not to, uh, you know, hash old wounds with Oregon fans since both of them ended up committing elsewhere. Um, those are two really high profile guys that, you know, Oregon really hasn't seen themselves getting in recent years. So, you know, obviously they were committed at some point, but, um, you know, I remember when we were talking about them, you said they were kind of guys Oregon really didn't have any business getting. Can, can you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I love those two guys, um, you know, from a play from just how they were on the field and from a character perspective like great people both have great families um i think that both those guys will, will do great in college and it's it's fun i so i don't mean to kind of do the whole hash old wounds either but like when you when you recruit those guys and you get to know them and, and their families for a long time like to be honest with you it's really hard not to root for them wherever they go even though you do wish they might have been oh, in a different place so um, but, but, you know, to your point, Max, I, that kind of goes to kind of what I was saying with, with the targeted approach, you know, I mean, both those guys are examples where, you know, A, above all else, we had two position coaches, Coach Wilson and Coach Mirabal, that, you know, really are just good recruiters. You know, they get on the ground and, and they, both of them are, are really good, really easy to relate to. And, and both of them work their rear ends off in recruiting. And, you know, that helped us. Um, that was the biggest driver. But we had, you know, we identified those guys really early. We knew we wanted to recruit them really early. We knew they were priorities. Those position coaches did a great job. And, and so did a lot of us on staff of, you know, getting to know a lot more about those two guys, a lot more about why they would be into the West Coast, why Oregon would be a really good fit for them. You know, like for Kelvin, for example, like, you know, he loved the outdoors. Like he loved doing stuff in nature. You know, like his parents were looking for different like places where they could like spend summers and, you know, things like that. And, you know, Eugene had so much that, that Kelvin wanted from, you know, not only kind of on field and football scheme fit and, and philosophy and all that type of stuff and O-line 
or no lineman as the head coach. I mean, how awesome is that for somebody, you know, that, that loves to just be, get downhill and, and run the ball and block and, and all that type of stuff. And, um, but like Eugene was like a place that was like a perfect fit for him, you know, and, and TJ coach Wilson had been recruiting TJ for you know, almost two years, you know, prior to kind of us being able to get him in the boat. And, you know, he's the type of guy who like his family has a bunch of roots in Michigan. Like they weren't necessarily tied into the South. Like, you know, he had people that had been all over. And at the end of the day, like he wanted to go to a place where, you know, he could play early and he could have a really prominent role in the defense. And that was something we had been showing him for about 18 months, not to mention he also finally got to Eugene and, and loved the area. And he had talked about the idea of, you know, shoot, I may get drafted anywhere in the NFL. Like I don't want to be tied into a specific area in recruiting. So like not to get too much into those two guys specifically, but those are some areas where, we feel like we have a really good chance at those guys because we already know information on the back end that would tailor them to be fits in Eugene to the point where it was completely worth it to like dive in head first and go after both those guys. And, you know, spent a lot of time with both those guys on, on their visits, our staff did. And, and we felt like we, we did a good job there. And it was because we, Max, it was because we identified those guys early. It was because we evaluated them we knew how the position coaches saw those guys. We got, we gathered information on those guys early in the recruiting process. And from there, we knew it was worth our time to dive in head first. So, you know, we did with no regrets either way. And that's to me, a lot of kind of philosophically what college football recruiting is. And especially at a place like Oregon, where you really have to recruit more national is, you know, what's worth it and why, because you need to ask a lot of those questions before you start to kind of dive in head first, because, you know, if we had spread ourselves too thin, it would, would have been hard to get, you know, TJ and Kelvin in the boat. But like we knew those two guys were like perfect fits. And at the end of the day, you know, we ended up kind of both those guys on offense and defense did a great job in helping us build the rest of the class around those guys. Because then we could sit here and look at defensive players and say, well, shoot, you know, you're in said situation. Look at TJ Bedley. He came over here from Alabama. Like he'll be a great player for us. And, you know, we could say the same thing for Kelvin Banks in his school in Houston that, you know, uh, you know, go, most of those kids predominantly go to Texas. And historically, Oregon has not been able to get those prospects. But when you know you're going national and you have a prospect, when you have a process that allows you to identify and evaluate early, you know, sometimes that puts you in a great position. You combine that with the secret sauce of two position coaches that were just really awesome at what they did and were just great people. I mean, that's that's how you can do it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's wild to to think that there's really, you know, like one or two things or factors, if you want to call it, in in a given prospect's recruitment that that you really need to latch on to. And that can, you know, be the difference. And you kind of just have to keep chipping away at it, you know, literally over a year, like you talked about, 18 months. Um, that that can really be the the difference maker in the recruitment. I remember I talked to both Kelvin and TJ during their times as recruits. Uh, Kelvin's going to Texas and TJ's ended up at Clemson. 
And I, I remember what you were talking about with the outdoors with, uh, with Kelvin, he talked about that. Um, and he talked also about, you know, when he was at Oklahoma state in Stillwater, he kind of got some of that outdoorsy feel. So it's interesting to hear that because I think one of the biggest things that surprises me about Oregon, especially after, you know, actually moving out to Eugene and living here is it's really world-class athletics. You know, you, you feel like it's, I feel like at times, you know, I'm looking at places like the Hatfield Allen complex where I go for pressers and Hayward field. And, and it feels like it's almost like an Olympic village type of deal, like super high scale facilities and everything. And you're in Western Oregon, small town, Eugene, yeah. and all this yeah. stuff's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, like, you know, and then TJ too, like, you know, Oregon was always like, you know, you talk about like Oregon being his, you know, dream school and being a fan and all that when he was a kid. And I remember like he got to campus and he was like, you know, just seeing the facility, like you can just see kind of this like awesome smile on his face. And it makes you think sometimes like, yeah, we're, we're in a pretty cool spot over here, you know? And dude, I got so many like, you know, pictures on my phone of like, you know, sunsets just looking out of the window of the facility, like right or sunrises, like right over the stadium. And uh, yeah, I, it's like, you know, just, just do like how green Oregon was, you know, like I, that's something that I, I won't forget about Eugene. Like it, it was awesome. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of one of the cool things about it. It's almost like a mystery to people that are, you know, not from the areas. They don't really know what's necessarily expecting to get to Eugene. So they get there, they see how green it is. They see how beautiful it is. And, you know, they're like, Oh, it's like, it's a cool spot. You know, I'm like, I mean, shoot, dude, like our state, the stadium, Eugene has like a waterfall inside of it. You know, facing the facility, like what other stadium in the country that can seat 60,000 people have a waterfall out of the side, you know, and out of the back of the stadium. Like that's, you know, it's just unique. It's really cool. And I think as a whole, that's a lot of what Eugene, Oregon is. It, I mean, I can say from firsthand experience, it's not easy to get to and from Eugene. It really isn't <laughs> from a travel standpoint. Yeah. But man, <laughs> once you get out here, man, that's like what we were saying earlier with Sir Mel's. Like once you get out here, you see why it's so special and why they've been able to accomplish what they have been from an athletic standpoint. Yeah, dude, that was our big demo in recruiting. Get them out to campus. <laughs> There's no chance to get them out to get, get them out to campus. They got to see it because like, it's a cool thing to see. Someone can say that, you know, Oregon's my dream school as much as you want, but when it kind of comes down, you know, push comes to shove, you know, I'm like writing up these stories on, you know, maybe Oregon's chances of the guy. I'm like, well, did he get on campus? He didn't. Okay. Then I can't really give him that much of a chance, but that actually brings up a really interesting point, Sam, since you came over during the pandemic, a lot of that 2021 class committed sight unseen because they literally couldn't get out to campus. Um, can, can you just talk about what, you know, what it was like that the challenges that, you know, obviously you had to overcome when, when you were, recruiting during a pandemic and you weren't able to get anybody out here yeah it was a different world um you know to be honest with you, it was really a different world so when i started at oregon maxwell i i was assistant director of recruiting and i worked with the offense um really kind of on the side of identification evaluation and in that 2021 class that we had on offense we were uh loaded we, we were, <laughs> it was a great class. We did, it was, it was a great class. We were, we were fortunate in the side of, we had a lot of guys who, you know, were, ha had been to campus before and were like, we had end up, you know, we had end up having some guys come to campus to see it before, but you know, we also had a lot of guys that didn't like, you know, Ty Thompson got to Oregon, like shoot, right. As I was getting there, like right before the pandemic happened and visits were cut down. That was a huge differentiator for us, you know, and yet we're also at a position where, you know, like Isaiah Brevard is a guy that comes to mind, like he hadn't been to campus yet, you know, and through the process of recruiting him, it was, you know, Coach Moorhead and, and Coach McClendon both did an awesome job and both of them had great relationships with him that, that really, really helped. Um, and I think it kind of for him was on the side of people that he felt comfortable with, you know, and like, you know, we would contact Isaiah and we'd call him and get him on FaceTime pretty much every day. Um, sometimes twice a day. And like, I, I think that for him, it was a matter of like, we just had to make him feel comfortable with everything that was going to be around him here and not dodge the fact that he hadn't been here yet. You know, because I think if we may have dodged the fact that he hadn't been there and maybe tried to present Eugene as maybe something that he wouldn't interpret it as like, you know, that's kind of part of recruiting, right? Like that's why so many guys go in the portal is if they expect one thing in a school and then, 
they get there and it's something else. Like that's what we didn't want with, with Isaiah. So we were really open in the fact like, Hey, like you haven't been here, this and that, you know? And, uh, and, and I think he just felt comfortable with people that were going to be around him. You know, we had Troy and Dante in that class as well from a receiver perspective, both of them had been to campus. So they were able to kind of talk him through the process of coming to campus and what it was like. We had seven McGee who, you know, coach Nashville always joke around with me in my first month on the job that seven had been to campus more than I had, you know, because he had come all the time, you know, I'd been committed for a long time. And, you know, he was able to kind of talk Isaiah a little bit through kind of what campus was going to be and all that stuff. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's a team effort. You can't dodge the fact that he hadn't been to campus, but you know, you also have to like just put a lot of people around him in a lot of different areas outside of just coaches where, you know, that person's going to be comfortable coming there. And even if Eugene is just a little bit different than what he expects, he still feels comfortable in the group of people that's around him and the plan that you have in place for him. So that was kind of our, our plan with, with a guy like Isaiah, I'm just kind of using him as the example because, you know, I was just involved in that one that, you know, we hadn't been to, hadn't been to Eugene for a kid from Mississippi that, you know, we're just kind of able to sign and, you know, and shoot, he's going to be a great player in Eugene. Like a lot of those guys in that, that, that class. Brevard's a, a guy that I think kind of gets uh, a little bit forgotten in the conversation, uh, especially about the receivers heading into next year. You know, we, we got spring ball starting up here this week in Eugene. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that wide receiver room is going to look a lot different, but, uh, you know, can't forget that he was a, a an All-American coming out of high school. So, you know, he's going to be someone that figures to, to compete in that wide receiver room. When you talk about uh, recruiting during a pandemic, I feel like that just hammers home the point even more that recruiting is really a game that's all about effort. Because when you when you can't get people out here, really all you have is your phone. I mean, your screen time must have been through the roof. Yeah, 100%. You know, and, and like, you know, you got to get creative in like showing them what campus is without them being here. You know, like Terrence Ferguson was like another example. Like, you know, like, I mean, we did everything with him on Zoom, you know, I mean, and shoot, you can get him on a show and ask him. <laughs> I'm sure he was him and his, you know, him and his parents were like, I mean, we literally did everything with them on Zoom. Everything that you would do pretty much during an official visit besides like eating food in front of their faces. Like we did with them on Zoom, you know, and uh, I'm sure that I'm sure that if you had T Ferg on the show, he would say at a certain point, like he got just tired of doing everything on Zoom. But I mean, we had to, like, we had to show him exactly what he was getting into in, in Eugene. And I mean, so many presentations that we did with, with him and them on Zoom and, you know, uh, like, you know, bringing him and his parents on for like a virtual facility tour. And, you know, I'd like kind of show them like a, you know, little map of campus, like, again, all virtual, but like, yeah, you got to do it. Like, you, you just, you just got to do it. Like, there's no way around it. And, you know, it was different too, because like, the majority of the country wasn't working like that, you know, like the majority of the country wasn't working like that. Now in Colorado, I, I don't think schools were, but I mean, the South and most of the East coast, like, you know, shoot, even someplace in the big 10, like that was how schools were operating, you know, as you could like, you couldn't do a visit, but you could go for a game, you know, like you could sit in the stands for a game and you couldn't out here. So like we just had to be creative and how we're going to kind of show them campus and everything like that. Man, that, that's crazy just to, to think about all the different challenges that kind of came with that. Thank God for all the technology that, that you know, we have at our disposal. Um, you know, that's how we're doing this, you know, podcast yeah. right now. You know, you're you're all the way out there in Ohio, which is just crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, I was Matt, talking to... You should, so I was just going to say, you should have seen like our Zoom schedule. Like when we were really like working oh, in the God. heyday of the spring of 2020, like we had this little schedule on zoom. I mean, it was unbelievable. Like it was, I mean, it was really like, it was full. And with some of those guys, I promise you, you get them on the show and they would just like get almost just so annoyed just talking about how many like different zooms they did and different stuff like that. So yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. And like, obviously the world knows about zoom now. <laughs> so, so given, you know, how hard it was to recruit during the pandemic, how did you guys as a staff feel once you inked that 2021 class and were, were you finally able to take a sigh of relief a little bit or was it, you know, Hey, right on to 2022. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I think sigh was made for, I don't know, about 24 hours and you know, we were to it. Um, I think, you know, I mean, we, you spent so much time in, in 21 and, you know, for us, I'm, I'm kind of when I was doing stuff with, with the offensive side of the ball, primarily, I mean, we, you know, we had a lot of that 21 class kind of locked down pretty, you know, early on in the cycle. And that allowed us to like really get a good early jumpstart on, on 2022. Um, so to be honest with you, I like there really wasn't that point ever like, 
you know, signing day, you take 24 hours, you kind of like take a couple deep breaths because obviously you're waking up pretty early in the morning to get those guys inked up and get, get their uh, NLIs in and everything like that. But, you know, I think you ask a lot of those position coaches and, you know, the work that, that we kind of did behind the scenes in that aspect. I mean, we, we had a lot of that class locked down, um, you know, kind of early on in the, you know, 2020 football season. And uh, again, we, we were, we were really in on 2022 as far as early identification and evaluation far before we ended up signing that. So to be honest with you, I guess what I'm trying to say is it really didn't feel like a much of a, much of a transition. We were already kind of just uh, dove in head first and, and, you know, already a good amount of kind of targeted 22s. A, a quick 24 hour uh, celebration, you know, window sounds like Sam uh, we're, we're coming up on 40 minutes here. So um, I think maybe we'll, I'm thinking like 10, 10 ish more minutes. I, yeah, I know you, long you have to go, a, dude. didn't have it. I mean, I could talk to you like the entire, <laughs> the entire, the entire, you know, day uh, about recruiting. Cause I, I love, I love it. Um, one of the, one of the questions that I wanted to kind of circle back on since we were talking about that transition between classes, um, obviously Oregon's 2022 class took a massive hit once uh, crystal ball decided to, to go to Miami and that was to be expected. But during the, the season before that happened, my kind of th- thought process was, okay, this 2022 class looks great, but a lot of these blue blood programs, you know, high, high level programs, they're, they're already pushing ahead to 23. And, you know, now obviously this is going to be the first cycle in 2023 where we get to really see what Dan Lennon and the staff can do it with recruiting being such a, uh, you know, future based, uh, you know, thing. How, how do you kind of manage or I guess gauge how important it is to, focused on the here and now. So the 2023 class now for, for guys at Oregon and then you at Akron, but also making some headway into the, even the next class. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'd say from that side of it, you know, you, you take what you're given, you know, I mean, and, and at the end of the day for coach Lanning and his staff, I mean, they get there to start, you know, I think, shoot, I mean, Georgia won a national championship on what, like January 10th or whatever. So I assume his first day was January 11th, you know? Um, yeah, obviously, I mean, it's a late start on 2023 compared to some programs, but I mean, shoot, what can you do about it, you know? So they take what they're given and, you know, they just start to hit the ground running as soon as they get there. And, you know, so for that side of it, I think that it's important to focus on the here and now because, you know, that's what's right in front of you and those are the cards you're dealt and you make the best of it and you keep going. But, you know, it is important to dive in and, and you know, get early identification and early evaluation done in the class of 2024. And, you know, I think for the group that they have, it, it could be a pretty simultaneous process in terms of getting ahead with the next class and, and, and recruiting the class that's right in front of you, you know? Um, so, so I don't, I don't think it's, it's too much of an issue for them and what they're doing. And at the end of the day, I mean, that's kind of what recruiting is. You, you make the best of the situation that's put in front of you. And I'm sure that's what they're doing with, with that situation. Okay. Okay. Um, I have a kind of a cool big picture question that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, and it doesn't have necessarily a lot to do with Oregon. So kind of, uh, going into a little bit different waters. Um, have you ever listened to or heard of the, the late kick podcast with Josh Pate? Uh, you know, I've seen some, uh, I've seen some videos of it, but to be honest with you, I I haven't really kind of watched, watched, watched the full episode of it. Okay. Well, you definitely need to check it out. Um, that's probably like my favorite national recruiting podcast or sorry, just college football podcast. Um, but one of his points that I really have taken a lot of interest in, he's like vehemently opposed to expanding the playoff. And I'm not going to ask you about the college football playoff, but um, kind of like a lot of his reasoning, I feel like, and his kind of thought process is to kind of restore some more balance to the sport and not just have some of the same teams, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, just squarely in that conversation for the national championship all the time. I think Josh's point um, is really cool from a recruiting perspective. It's it's keeping a lot of the in-state talent home. And you look at the top three talent, most talent-rich states uh, in the country. Um, you know, we got California, Texas, and Florida. Um, Oregon's obviously got a lot of experience in California. That's, you know, the basis for a lot of their classes. Texas, heck, Texas was the foundation of that 2022 class for the longest Absolutely. time for, uh, for Oregon. But I've long held the belief that Oregon needs to get back into Florida, which is, you know, not an easy thing to do, seeing how far uh, Oregon is, is kind of, is obviously located from there. So I kind of just wanted to get some of your thoughts on, um, you know, keeping some of the, 
the top talent at home because you got Lincoln Riley at, at USC and LA is just loaded every year. You got Jimbo in College Station and Sark at Austin, uh, out there in Austin with the Longhorns. And then there's just a really big shift I feel like that we're going to see. We've probably already started to see in uh, the state of Florida with um, you know two new staffs with uh, Mario Cristobal taking over at Miami, as we all know, and then Billy Napier at Florida. I feel like if they can keep some of those top talents home, it, it would be a really interesting and probably different version of the college football that we've seen these past couple of years. What do you think about that? Yeah. You know, I think that in terms of kind of strategy with a recruiting staff, I think to be honest, a lot of it is just working towards your strengths. Like, you know, in my time now coming to the university of Akron with a different staff and a different landscape and, you know, different pool of prospects that we're recruiting, you know, in terms of a lot of philosophical, kind of aspects to it. A lot of it, you know, doesn't change. The blueprint is the blueprint. And what what our goal is to do is to put our staff in the best position to recruit. And so to be honest with you, I think what a lot of it is, is, you know, just kind of putting your staff at their strengths. Like, where is your staff at their best recruiting, right? And at the end of the day, the head coach is going to hire the coaching staff. That's not my business, you know, but my business is to take the coaching staff that he hires and where, what strategy for us puts them at their best? Where do we allow them to most succeed? And at the end of the day, to be honest with you, however, in my opinion, the college football playoff expands or doesn't expand, I think that's still going to kind of be the strategy of recruiting. I think for a lot of the teams that, that really do it well is they're going to recruit to their staff strengths. And at the end of the day, that's, that's, kind, of the, um, that's kind of the MO, at, at least in terms of how I see recruiting is, the end of the day as a recruiting department, right? Like you are throwing up the alley so that your coaching staff can oop it down. If that kind of makes sense. Like it's your job to set them up and put them in the best positions to succeed the same way that they would do that for their players schematically on the football field. Right. And um, you know, I, I don't kind of consider that to be something that's really going to change it much as, as far as recruiting strategy. I don't. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that perspective. Just to, it kind of, it reminds me of what you were saying earlier about just, you know, making the best with kind of the, the hand that you're dealt. Um, Sam, you, you've obviously had some, some really cool stops during your uh, football career. Um, you know, I, I think I was doing a little bit of lurking and I saw a video of you at the, on the Michigan show uh, talking about, you know, some of your you know time there, which was really cool. Um, but now that you're at Akron, and you've been able to have some stops like Michigan, like Howard, and now Oregon, which I think we can agree is you know probably the biggest name on, on your resume. What are some of the lessons that you think you've taken uh, with you from your time at Oregon that, that you're going to kind of try to apply moving forward? Yeah, um, a ton, a ton. Uh, I learned a lot. We had an awesome staff at Oregon. Uh, I can genuinely say I learned a lot from each and every position coach and, and the head coach especially. Um, but to be honest with you, really kind of what I talked about, the jump in terms of what I thought Oregon did best was, you know, I feel like Coach Cristobal taught me more than anything else how to how to recruit, like how to out recruit somebody, how to put in more effort than the program next to you, like how to show a prospect that you prioritize them more than someone else, you know, and, and uh, I felt like that that was a huge thing of how I learned at Oregon. I mean, I consider when I, when I think of the recruiting process, Max, like I almost put it in three steps, you know, and the first step is identification, evaluation, organization, right? Like identifying who you want, how are we going to evaluate them? And then how do we organize those recruits, right? Pre and post evaluation. The second step being gathering of information and following the progression. So like following their high school career in football and other sports, gathering information on their background, them and their family, seeing why they're a fit. And then the third step, is like on-campus recruiting, recruiting on the road, and, and just winning a recruiting battle. And I think in a lot of steps, you can if you, if you dominate step three, you can win regardless. And if you don't dominate step three, you better do a good job at step one and step two. And Oregon really taught me step three. Like Coach Cristobal is really, really good at just getting out there and recruiting people. And he out-recruited a lot of other head coaches during my time in Oregon. And, um, you know, as I go to Akron now and – you know, we have, you know, fewer resources, obviously, than what we did at Oregon. But a lot of the concepts and a lot of the things I learned from Coach Cristobal in terms of, you know, how you can put a lot of effort into recruiting somebody, how you can maximize your time in terms of recruiting. 
a lot of that stuff, you know, we're going to use at Akron and, and hopefully it'll benefit us. I learned a ton from, from that place. I really did. I know I'm going to have my eye on the Akron program and, and, you know, how you guys are doing with, with recruiting, just obviously because I know you. And then, um, you know, the other Oregon guys, you know, Winston's over there. He followed uh, you, you guys to, to um, Akron. Sam, we, we've covered so, so much in this podcast. Uh, I know podcast like being on a podcast is a little bit of a newer thing to you. Um, this is my very first one. <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this could be the first one, uh, Ducks Dish. But is there anything that you kind of wanted to add that or maybe something that we didn't get to talk about as much as you were thinking, you know, whether it be about recruiting, about your time at Oregon or, or just football in general? Um, no, you know, honestly, not that I could think of. I think we've covered a good amount. I mean, I, I'm, you know, you and I will always kind of talk off off the air kind of about just like my career and, and, and things like that. And, and each step of it, I could talk about it for a long time. But, you know, I've really kind of grown to like the recruiting process and, and kind of everything that goes into it of something that before I got into it, I really didn't, you know, know anything about. And, you know, it's been a really fun journey kind of learning about it and, you know, almost kind of watching myself try to just continuously learn from people and continuously get better. And the connections that I made at Oregon and everything I feel like I learned at Oregon, like, I, you know, I feel really thankful for kind of where, where I feel like it kind of positioned me career-wise. And, you know, there's a ton of assistant coaches at, at Oregon, obviously, now that are, are all at other places that I know I have connections for life with, and, and it's a really cool feeling. So, um, you know, I, I really kind of, I really like the place. I, I really like the people and I feel really thankful for kind of what I was able to get out of it. And I hope that, you know, I was able to kind of put into it something that can hopefully help the program long term. That's awesome. I, I've really enjoyed, you know, getting to, to hear a little bit more about your story. You know, the Sam Popper Oregon Chronicles, maybe that'd be a cool episode title. Um, I'm <laughs> we'll just, brainstorm, just brainstorming a little bit. But hey, if, if you guys want to uh, lock in with Sam, you can find him on Twitter at Sam Popper underscore. He's, uh, he's doing big things over there at Akron. You talked about recruits that you're going to be rooting for regardless of where they end up. I know I'm going to be rooting for you and your successes, Sam, uh, just because it's been awesome getting to know you. Uh, a little bit more, you know, since uh, since I got out here to Eugene and, and you know, started to, to get to know the staff a little bit. But if you guys want to find more of me, you can find me on Twitter at MTorres Sports. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel at Oregon Football Max Torres. Really appreciate the support there. And you can also find the Ducks Dish podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, throw us a, a, a five-star review. Um, we really appreciate it. You know, we're always trying to improve. I'm trying to bring on awesome guests like Sam and other recruits that we've seen here, but uh, I don't want to ramble on too much. Got to make sure to shout out Ducks Digest. Go find, uh, you know, more Oregon content over there, ducksdigest.com. But uh, that's all we got for this one, you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Huge, huge thank you to Sam for coming on and giving us so much of his valuable time. Um, Make sure you guys stay locked in and we will see you in the next episode. Take care. Thank you guys. Go Ducks. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com